What a great transition. Speaking of God's kingdom, uh, we're going to talk, we're going to finish the, the series of God's kingdom today. And uh, just a quick recap of what we're doing. Uh, the kingdom of God phrase or the kingdom of heaven phrase can be found over 80 times in the New Testament where Jesus began to, to talk about it. And we know that every kingdom has a rule, which is the authority. And of course, in God's kingdom, obviously, he, he is the ruler. He is the authority. He has a reign, which is people to rule over. And every kingdom also has a realm, which is a territory. And God gave mankind rule over the earth with Adam and Eve. We talked, we've talked about that. But they rejected this responsibility with their sin. And this sin handed the authority of the kingdom uh, over to the kingdom of darkness. But then Jesus came. We sang about this this morning. We just talked about uh, communion and the broken body of Jesus and the blood that he shed. Because of that one act on the cross, he took back the kingdom. And then when he ascended, he gave that responsibility of kingdom growth. Of course, he does the, the work, doesn't he? But through us to the believers, to his disciples and to the believers and those that would come after those disciples. And we've said how authority can be a good thing or it can be a, a bad thing. With us as believers, we want that to be a good thing as we're working with the Holy Spirit, uh, where he is leading, where God is going, that we're able to usher in God's kingdom to where people need hope. They receive hope. Where they need Jesus, they receive Jesus. So, um, but when it comes to walking in authority, we must come under Jesus' rule, right? He is the king of kings, and, and that's where we're wanting to, to be. So, well, today we're going to conclude with kingdom conflict, and that word, when you hear the word conflict, if you have a personality like mine, you're like, oh, let's not even talk about that. I don't even want to go there. I don't like conflict. Um, others are like, let's bring it on. You know, where? So uh, depending on your personality. Um, and this goes right along with the illustration we used a few weeks ago with you can feel that you're in a tug of war at times. You know, somebody's pulling on this side. Someone's pulling on that side. You're about to be ripped in half, it feels like. And we know how one side is the kingdom of God. You're wanting to do what God is saying. But then there's the kingdom of darkness that is pulling you this way. And you can feel like you're in that tug of war from time to time. You want to do what's right, but you, you just don't. You, don't. you don't do what you're supposed to do because of the conflict at times. So since we're in between those two kingdoms, the earthly kingdom and God's kingdom, um, we have to understand that we are in a battleground. Um, and you just have to step outside the doors to see that. Sometimes you just have to step inside the doors to see that. Sometimes you just have to open, have to open the door to your own heart and you can see that. So I want to see two areas of conflict that we face today. Inner conflict, and of course, that usually results in the external conflict. But I don't want to just leave it there. I want to show us the, God, the tools that God has given us how to deal with this conflict, uh, because it's part of any kingdom. It truly is within ourselves. Do we have conflict in our politics? You better believe we do. Within the church, of course, within our government, religions have conflicts. You just listen to some of these missionaries and the things that they're going to be up against. Now, fortunately, my missionary this year uh, that I'm going to be coaching through or how, two years, however long it takes them to get there, um, doesn't necessarily have the political conflict where he can't even express his faith. Now, the missionary that I coached last year, by the way, he is on the mission field. He's in the Minica region, North Africa area. He's doing great. There's tons of conflict there. If he is caught talking about his faith, trying to bring people in, it, it could potentially be his life. Now, where he is, they'll probably just kick him out of the, out of the country. But there's the conflict that's there, even within religions um, that we talk about. Jesus made the kingdom of God within reach at Calvary, though. 
Thank God for that. We experience that today just through communion. Yes, we still face conflict, and yes, we live in a world of conflict. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be in two main texts today, and I have several other, I guess you'd call them subtexts that we'll be looking at. But I want us to begin in 2 Corinthians 10.3 and uh, look at a few verses that are here. We're going to go through verse 6 as we, um, as we look at this particular text today, talking about the conflict that we face. Why is it even here? What does it even look like? So beginning in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Um, I want you to, before we get too far into this, there's a couple words I want you to underline or circle or highlight there in your Bible. Um, first of all, which I hadn't planned on doing this, but I think this is going to make it a little bit easier for us to follow. In verse uh, 4 there, you see to knock down strongholds. I want you to circle that word strongholds that's there. And then a little bit later, it says the strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. I want you to circle that word false arguments, those two words that are there. And then we capture their rebellious thoughts. I want you to circle that word thoughts that, that is there. And those are the words that we're going to look at. There's, there's an idea of voices that we're going to hear too because often those thoughts that we have come from voices uh, that we'll see will destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, those type of things that we're going to talk about. So let's get into this real quick. Believers have access to weapons. Now, many of you are big Second Amendment people. By the way, you will not find the Second Amendment in the Bible necessarily. We know that's part of our Constitution, right? I'm thankful for that. I, I have the right to bear arms. You have the right to bear arms. And, um, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about today, especially when we're talking about the kingdom, kingdom of God. So we do have access to weapons, and we're not talking about guns, swords, knives, etc., because the Bible tells us this, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So when we have this conflict that's going on, you know, I disagree with Dean, so I'm going to show you, you know, you pull out the iron that you have, or now a lot of them are made of hard plastic, that's on your side and you're, you're going to take care of the situation. You know, the duels that they used to have back in, back in the cowboy days or whatever, they would have the duels and, and things like that. But that's not what we're talking about because as a believer, we understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But often in our flesh as believers, can't we turn spiritual battles into flesh and blood battles? Don't we see that happening? I've seen it happen. I've done it. I've taken a spiritual battle, and I knew it was a spiritual battle, but I turned it into a flesh and blood battle through my words, through my thoughts, and uh, have begun to do that. But the godly weapons that we have, do, do the, there's four things there and four categories that we'll see. Uh, so I want us to look at these here. And uh, um, first of all, they knock down strongholds of human reasoning. That's what these weapons that we have, and we'll get to the weapons here in just a few moments. But the godly weapons, the weapons that God has given us when it comes to conflict, they knock down strongholds of human reasoning. 
You know, often I can, we can, we have seen people bring human reasoning into a spiritual conversation. And it turns the, the argument, it, it just really derails the whole argument. It derails what, what is going on. So you have these strongholds of human reasoning. We also know that our godly weapons destroy false arguments. We know that the weapons, the godly weapons that we have, destroy proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. And we also know that the weapons that God has given us captures rebellious thoughts. After all, these things that we just talked about here that you see up there on the screen, these things tend to lead to fights, don't they? That maybe you've experienced even in your own life. Human reasoning, you bring that into a spiritual situation, it's going to cause a fight. Uh, false arguments, doesn't the truth and the lie often conflict that can lead to um, conflict that's there? Proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. You know, there are obstacles that the enemy will place in people's paths so that they can't turn to God, so that they won't turn to God. You hear a lot of these. Um, I see a lot of them on social media, on the news, uh, different circles having discussion why people are atheists, why people are agnostic. They don't believe that there's a God or they just think that God's not readily available to people. And this can cause arguments and, and there are obstacles that keep people from knowing God. And it even uses the... Um, the qualifier there, proud obstacles, when pride enters in into those moments. Um, these, these things that lead to fights, and of course, rebellious thoughts as well. Notice it says rebellious thoughts. Now, growing up, my brother and I, we were good with my mom until we had a rebellious thought that we began to act on. See, that rebellion that would come out within us at those moments, it began as a thought. Well, what right does she have? I'm, I'm growing up now. She can't tell me what to do. Boy, that got me into some serious trouble. That got my brother. You don't talk to mom that right away, right? But you know, as you become a teenager and you began to think, I'm becoming independent now. Well, Paul lists the battles that we have into those categories that I had you to underline. Strongholds, arguments, voices, and thoughts. So I want us to look at how these affect us today specifically strongholds will come, and we're going to go backwards with this, okay? Strongholds come when the enemy convinces us of things. He will convince you that this thing that you are doing, that you are thinking, that the other person is doing or thinking is right to do. When this situation, I'm right. In this situation, they're wrong. Uh, in this situation, even if it's an internal type of battle, strongholds come when the enemy convinces us of things strongholds, they come from arguments. See, we're working our way backwards. This stronghold has a place on your life. Where did that even come from? It came from arguments. It came from false arguments, um, as, as the Bible calls it. Arguments come from everything that exalts itself against God. We're taking the scripture that we just read, by the way, and we're working through it, okay? So if if I'm starting to lose you, look back at this scripture for a moment, but I'm, I'm going to try to make this as plain as I can so that we can understand all of this. So again, strongholds come when the enemy convinces us of things. Strongholds come from arguments. Arguments come from everything that exalts itself against God. What is the high things here that we are talking about that exalt themselves? It's talking about beings, whether it be other humans or whether it be in the spiritual realm where the enemy is coming to exalt itself above God and give you an argument on why you can be or someone else can be rebellious or have these things that have a stronghold in your life at that point. And it brings conflict. 
Do you remember when Satan exalted himself in the Old Testament? He said, I will be like the Most High. That was his whole goal. He wanted to exalt himself. And of course, that got him kicked out of the, kicked out of the kingdom of heaven. And he wants to do that to you and me. I can't tell you how many times there has been the voice of the enemy that has wanted me to exalt myself in a certain situation, right? Because the voices that were there, the voice that was in my head that then began to make an argument, a solid argument that then took a stronghold in my life. And once that stronghold is there, what is a stronghold? A hold that has a strong effect on you, doesn't it? It's holding you tight. They're not easy to escape, are they? Many of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it within your family. Maybe you've seen it within yourself that where, uh, man, if so-and-so could just be free from what they're going through, they would make a powerful person in the kingdom of God, but they just can't let that go. Have you ever said that? You've ever seen that? It comes from the voices of the enemy because he is the one who wanted to exalt himself and he wants you to exalt yourself as well. We must watch our thoughts so that they don't give voice to what the enemy desires in our life. Because we're in God's kingdom and a kingdom that is divided among itself. What does the Bible say? It can't stand. Let's take this internally for a moment. Why is it so hard for us to stand sometimes? We feel like we're just falling apart. There's that internal conflict, the, the conflict that the enemy is bringing in our lives, uh, and, and maybe you can't stand, or within a family unit, or within a church structure, or within just a group of people getting together. We must watch our thoughts, because those thoughts give voice to what the enemy desires, creates these arguments because it's exalting itself against God, which then creates a stronghold in our life. There's a sentence up here I want you to look at. Uh, again, this is another quote from my, my mentor, Pastor Dale. It says, When ungodly thoughts go unchallenged, we permit the enemy to make arguments against us, which, left uncontested, result in strongholds of personal bondage. Now, I want us to read this together, okay? because it's kind of breaking down what we've just been talking about. This is not a Bible verse. Normally we quote Bible verses together, but I want us to read this quote together. You ready? Let's go. When ungodly thoughts go unchallenged, we permit the enemy to make arguments against us, which left uncontested result in strongholds of personal bondage. That's a powerful thought, isn't it? That's a powerful sentence that's written there, and it's so true. It's true of myself. You've seen it. When ungodly thoughts go unchallenged, how do we challenge ungodly thoughts through the word? Lord, that's just totally, this thought that I'm having is not according to your word, and I'm going to challenge that thought that the enemy is bringing. So we bring challenge to that. If we don't, if it goes unchallenged, what we're doing is permitting the enemy to make an argument against us. And that could be in the form of against someone else, but usually it's against us because of how it affects us. And the result of that is a stronghold which gives us personal bondage. Jesus came to set his people free. Last week we talked about this, that there are many believers who are not set free. They're believers, they love Jesus, but walking in bondage. So what we're going to see in a few moments is the freedom that God gives and how to get that. Because we face conflict internally and externally as well.
So this idea of the screen uh, that's written up on the screen, uh, this may be you, this may be the person beside you, this may be your neighbor, your coworker. We've heard these people declare before too, you know what, there's nothing I can do about this. I was this way when I was a kid. I'm this way now and I'll always be this way. No, God does not want us to be in bondage of this is who I am because he has called you a child of God. You are part of his kingdom. And if we are part of his kingdom, we are under his kingdom rule. And he has provided ways to where this bondage, these bondages and these strongholds don't have to hold on to us anymore. These arguments that we're hearing that may be internal, arguments maybe that we're hearing that someone is... You ever had those people that just come up and they just want to plant something in your head? Go against that. You know what? I am challenging, and it may not be to the person's face, right? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes you may have to do that. But I am not going to allow that seed of division. I'm not going to allow that seed of doubt of who God's called me to be. I'm not going to allow that seed of sin against the Lord to take place in my life. I'm just going to walk away. It's not going to happen. Not today, Satan. I need one of those shirts. Have you seen those? <laughs> not today, Satan, type of thing that's going on. And let me tell you this, too. This whole idea of people being able to break free from the strongholds that have them held down, this is why we don't give up on people. We don't give up on people. Those in your family, <laughs> we all have family conflict. If you're in a family, you've had conflict. Amen, Becky? <laughs> you've had conflict from time to time. If you have coworkers, you've had conflict from time to time. Being part of any local church anywhere in the United States or in the world, you've had conflict from time to time. But you know what? We do not give up on people. Amen. I will not give up on you, and I pray that you don't give up on me. We will have conflict, but we can't allow that to become a stronghold because we're in the kingdom of God. We're waging war against an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's what he wants to do. So what do we do? We've been given the authority to pull down strongholds and arguments. We've been given authority to bring every thought into Christ's authority, which is pulling down the lies. Do not let the enemy convince you of the lies that he has spoken into your life about you or that he has spoken into your life about someone else. Or maybe he's spoken through someone else about you. Don't allow those to, to attach. You challenge those things through the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and understand that you're part of God's kingdom. Amen. We can pull down arguments and strongholds. We bring our rebellious thoughts into line with God's thoughts and God's promises. When we're having conflict, right? Let's, let's go to the family here just for a moment. You're having conflict with the family member. Sometimes you want to just kick them to the curb. But what if I began to pray for that family member? The Lord's challenging me in this this week. Don't let the enemy convince you of the lies. 
the enemy also wants you to be fearful. But don't be afraid of the enemy that you should be confronting. Who am I talking about here? The individual? The enemy, Satan. Who knew that this message would be so appropriate for this week? By the way, your enemy is not people. I wrote that down like a week ago. Don't allow shame to stop you from standing against the enemy either. You have the name of Jesus. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is a very familiar, if you've been in church for a while, this is very familiar. So we're going to read through this. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. We're going to go through uh, verse 18. We alluded to this last week, and we're going to go into detail with it this week. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, when I take up these arguments and allow the strongholds to happen, I am operating in my inadequate power, right? But this is saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you may be able to resist the enemy when, in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth as the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from God's, from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith uh, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I found in these moments that I do a whole lot of praying in the Spirit. When I'm facing the internal conflict or when it's presenting itself in an external fashion. That I just have to pray because the words that, can we be real again? The words that I want to pray aren't according to God's word. Because I want to pray, Lord, take them out. Now, David did that. We're living in New Testament. <laughs> We're living in grace. And I just have to pray in the Spirit until my heart becomes lined up with God's kingdom so that I can appropriately pray for the situation. Pray in the Spirit. God has given us a heavenly language that we can pray. You read about it all through the New Testament. And if that's not something that you've ever experienced at the end of the service, today is the day where you can receive your heavenly language. It is a gift of the Spirit that's listed in Corinthians, actually several places in the Bible. Because sometimes we just need to pray in the Spirit. A lot of times <laughs> we need to pray in the Spirit. All right, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's look at six things quickly, six things that will protect you from the enemy's attacks. And we're going to narrow this down. We're going to go through the armor, but we're going to narrow it down to a one-word, one-phrase type of thing. So here's the first thing that will protect you from the enemy's attacks. First of all, truth. The Bible calls it the belt of truth. 
And I'm, uh, these scriptures will be, you'll see the scriptures, see how they're up there. You can just write those down. And with time, I'm just going to go through them quickly. Uh, it says, you will know the truth in John chapter 8, and the truth will set you free. That is God's word. That protects you from the enemy's attacks, and that is knowing the truth. John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. Psalm 119 pretty much says the same thing that's there. Maybe John says the same thing that Psalm says because Psalm came first. But your word is truth. We must bring the truth of God's word into our lives every single day because there's an enemy who's out there who wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you, from me. And when I am not in God's word, when you are not in God's word, we're not in freedom when we're not introducing that into the situation. Secondly, righteousness. And it talks about the body, body armor of God's righteousness. Um, and when you think of body armor, you know, especially all of you Second Amendment people, you think of body armor and it's got the Kevlar vest. And I've told you the story. We were doing a march a couple years ago with the police department. And I go downtown and to the police department and the, the at the time, the, uh, the head chaplain was there, and so I go in to give him a great big hug, and he's given us the game plan for this particular march that's going on, and he's wearing a Kevlar vest, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, <laughs> what are we getting into here? Because I don't have one of those. Lord Jesus, we need you to protect us at this point, and of course he did, but usually you think of body armor, so I want you to kind of picture that for a moment, but it's righteousness. It's God's righteousness. Jesus gave us his righteousness, clothed us in his righteousness. So think of that idea of the protection from the enemy's attacks. Thank God, 2 Corinthians, by the way, chapter 5 talks about how Jesus gave us his righteousness. Thank God that our righteousness isn't based upon our works, but it's based upon his. It's based upon his righteousness. We are righteous before God because of Christ. So when the enemy comes telling you otherwise, you just remind him, on my own, you're right. I am not righteous, but I am clothed in the righteousness of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, peace. It talks about the shoes of peace. John 14, 7 uh, 14.27 says that Jesus left us his peace, not the world's peace. Oh, look at the conflict that's going on. In the middle of a conflicted workspace, in the middle of a conflicted family unit, in the middle of a conflicted government, we can take peace. When it talks about your shoes being that peace, what does that tell us? Wherever you walk, there's peace. You go into a room, you go into a situation and the tensions are high. You're praying in the spirit at that moment and you're bringing in peace. We don't like to walk in conflict, right? Walk into con uh, contentious, no, is that right? Contentious? Contentious situations. But think about this. Because you are prepared, you walk in peace. And I, I have seen this happen recently. I walk into a room is there anything special about me? No, but I bring peace wherever I go. And the tension, you've heard the old phrase, you can cut it like a knife. You walk in and it's like through butter. But I'm telling you, you're going to have to be prayed up in those moments. Does that mean you won't face conflict when you go into that room? No, they'll still be there. There's going to be that conflict that's there. But you are bringing peace. 
You think about when Jesus cast out the demons. How did the demons often come out? They would scream. They would screech. They would, they would have a hissy fit. But they would leave. You have been given peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that one's not on the screen, but that's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus in those situations. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of Jesus. That's peace. You can have peace in the middle of a conflict. Number four, faith, which is the shield of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we live by believing and not by seeing, or we live by faith and not by sight. This is that whole idea of faith. Now, faith is not a blind or a false hope. In fact, faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. I'm hoping for peace in this situation. I'm hoping for salvation in their life. I'm praying that the conflict that they are experiencing, that I'm experiencing internally goes away. I'm hoping for something that is concrete. And I have my faith that God, I have faith that God can do it. God has proven himself over and over and over. Number five, salvation. We talk about the helmet of salvation. Now we do not earn salvation. We understand that. Jesus gave us salvation. Last week we talked about how God loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Of course, receiving that we receive salvation. Uh, and we know this too, Romans 1.16, this is another great verse that talks about, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why is that? It's the good news about Christ. And it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Coming to a situation where people don't want anything to do with God, you're walking in with peace, you're clothed in God's righteousness, you're taking God's word and the presence of God is there with you at that moment. Now, they choose to receive or not, right? But you are bringing that in. It's the power of God for salvation. God gave us his armor. And then sixthly, the sword of the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inner thoughts and desires. Love that verse. It used to be confusing to me. But when you understand the difference, uh, as it's talking here, between soul and spirit, what my mind, my will, and my emotions are thinking and wanting versus what the Spirit is saying, the Word of God comes there and makes a clear dividing line between those two that helps me know when I'm operating in the flesh and when I'm operating within the Spirit. So how do we determine the difference between your thoughts, God's thoughts, and the enemy's thoughts? The word of God. Because I have all three. I, I have God's thoughts at times. I have my thoughts at times. And I have the enemy's thoughts at times. Sometimes I, have, I do have a difficult time understanding those. But when I take his word, and it then all of a sudden begins to make a clear division on what is soul, what is spirit, and what is of the enemy. Must be in his word. Jesus used the word of God when he was tempted by Satan. Do you remember? It is written. Because what Satan was doing was good. Jesus, you're hungry? Well, here, take this stone. You have the power to make it bread. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? Oh, the enemy, or Satan was actually trying to take care of Jesus. He was wanting him to be nourished. No, he wasn't. Come up here, Jesus, because this earthly kingdom belongs to me now and everything that you see, if you'll just bow down, I'll give it to you. Satan had the authority to do that. 
But Jesus understood that he was about to go to the cross and he was about to take away the keys to death, hell, and the grave or from the enemy and have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Jesus understood that. So he did not wage war in a fleshly desire, even in an evil spiritual desire. So he used God's word. Being a Christian does not prevent conflict from coming into our lives, internally and externally. In fact, it's just the opposite. Here's hope for you today. The enemy <laughs> will steal from you. He will come in and try and at times succeed your joy, your peace, and the presence of God. He'll come in and he'll do it. He will try to kill you, literally and spiritually. He will try to destroy you. He'll destroy, try to destroy your family. He will try to destroy your life. He will try to destroy your marriage, your reputation, your future. You think, man, you hear that. Well, why in the world would I come to Jesus? Why would I continue to serve him if we're going to have this conflict all the time? Well, we understand what we just said, that God has given us weapons why get saved then? When you come into the kingdom of light, you are set free from darkness. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. Because I've come to understand this too. Believers and non-believers both face attacks. Conflict is inevitable whether you're a believer or not. I want to know I've got somebody who's got my back. And I also want to know this, that when this life is over, and it will be over for every single one of us, that I'm assured of eternity. More importantly, the presence of God forever. Your decisions affect your eternity. Your present suffering is nothing compared to eternity. Romans 8.18 says that while... What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. As believers, we want to give opportunity to others to change their eternity and the conflict that they're facing. As believers, we want the word of God to come in and to offer us that same hope that while the enemy is trying to kill here in this area, to still in this area, maybe destroy that particular area, that he has no right or authority to do that. Surrounded by the truth of God's word. I'm clothed in God's righteousness. I have peace on my feet that in the middle of the storm, I'm walking through it. I watched, by the way, I recommend this, I think. Uh, I've only watched it once. But The Gospel of John. It's a movie that came out probably a year ago. It, it's, it's, it stays to scripture pretty much uh, very true from what I could see in that on the plane watching it doing this and turbulence. But um, they, they showed the scene where the disciples were in the boat and the chaos is going on all around and here comes the Prince of Peace upon the water. God has given us that same ability Amen. when we come into these situations. Ms. Vicki, you can come on up. We're going to close here. I want us to stand for just a moment and I'm going to give you just a couple minutes to pray. And here's what I want to leave you with. The last thing. If God is for us, who can be against us? I, I, I'm not a genius. And the church said, amen. <laughs> Easy, Lisa. 
But I know that many of you in here have been facing conflict, either internally or externally. And I want to give you a moment to take authority in the Spirit today through the Word of God. You may need just to take a few moments to pray, to bind the works of the enemy. That's what you need to do. Uh, To take into captivity those thoughts that the enemy has put, that has developed a stronghold. And can I even ask you to be so bold as to ask the Holy Spirit to show you the strongholds that have formed in your life that you're not even aware of? And He will do it. Can you just take a few moments to do that and allow God and the Holy, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you this morning? pray with anyone, but you just need time at the altar. Again, you can do it at your seat as well, but just just making a move that you're um, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you just by making that move. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be the same anymore. I don't want this to have hold on me. So as we're dismissed today, please stay around and pray. Jacob, you and Brandon can just have some music ready to go and I'm going to go to the back. Matt and Jen's going to come up here for prayer. Um, But just as we're leaving today, even to be sensitive to that, I want you to linger at the altar today. I want you to linger, to hang out in your chair today and allow the Holy Spirit just to work within you. Maybe you need to, maybe it's not even you. You're just needing to pray for a situation that's going on at work or within your family, within your home. Don't leave here without taking care of business today.